Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Set your expectations low. That way you're always surprised. Hell yeah. I love doing that. That's my life motto, to be honest. It's pretty much how people approach the podcast, I would assume. (laughs) There are any expectations on it. Only when Drew's on. Hey-o! Yeah, fuck you, Drew. All right, what's going on, everybody? It is officially hockey season. Our last episode was recorded on Tuesday, sorry, Monday, just before uh, the start of the season. We are now recording Friday content on Tuesday. So although uh, a little bit of what you're hearing may be a touch dated by the time Friday rolls around, it is all in all the first weekend, so nothing you're going to learn hopefully in the next uh, week or so because I think you definitely can't win a season the first week. You could lose it, I guess, with injuries. So hopefully that's not – a point of discussion that we're overlapping with by Friday. But uh, regardless, this is the Bruins and Bruins podcast, a the hockey podcast network podcast presented by Bruins diehards and sponsored by DraftKings. Drew is currently in the back of your car waiting for you in the parking lot. So just be careful when you get there. But for that Happy reason, he will not be on the podcast. Season. It is spooky season and Drew is embracing that for sure. Uh, so to fill in, we have number one call out of the bullpen, Nick Lanciani. Lancey making his first appearance on season three of the Bruce and Burns podcast. Lancey, I can't imagine we have anyone new listening for season three, most particularly because we really have not marketed it the ratings at have all. Down. <laughs> like we, we ended the season and we were like, all right, now we're starting a new season, time to vacation. We're all just going to kind of fuck off for a little bit. But now hockey season's coming back. We're putting the foot back on the gas. We're getting Lancey in here. So Lancey, if there are any new listeners, please feel free to introduce yourself to the world. Hi, I, uh, I'm unemployed. No. Um, so yeah, that's basically the gist of my little persona is that I do way too much in terms of getting into hockey stuff. And then, uh, I apply to things and never hear back from them. So if you want stats and things, I'm your guy. If you want to pay me, I'm not your guy. Hire this man. Yeah, here, well, here's how it's going to go. This is like a little tryout. I'm just going to throw a bunch of shit at Lancey tonight and expect him to carry it. And he's going to be able to do it. And this should prove to you that you're, you're higher. And he's going to be drinking at the same time because this is the Bruins and Bruins podcast. I see what you got there, Lancey. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing you share it with the people I think uh, may have similar tastes tonight. So what's your, what you got over there to drink? I've got a uh, Lawson's Finest Liquids Sip of Sunshine IPA because, uh, well, this is just what I grabbed when I went to the liquor store 
That's a lie. My dad got it for me. Uh, we were out of beer, and then we got more beer. So tonight, that is what I have. As always, it's a 37 out of 37, and uh, I've had it like two or three other times on the show, probably. All right, nice. All right, well, Lancey, that's why he uh, he keeps it easy to when he's keeping track of the uh, all the lady scores. He can just throw 37 in for himself. He can pencil himself in there every time. That's why he does it. I mean, Bergie's my favorite. He always has been. Consistency is key. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Chris, what you got there? The thing. Uh, I think I saw I, what you got. I have the unofficial official beer of the Bruins and Bruins, the unofficial official light beer of the Bruins and Bruins podcast, Miller Light. Um, it's a, I believe we had it at like a five and a thirty-seven. It's way too low. <laughs> you break the scale, Miller Light. Um, I almost went for a for an unofficial official beer of the pod, but I actually decided to switch it up a little bit. Um, drinking another Cigar City. Uh, if you listened a few episodes ago, I cracked up one of their variety packs. We had a couple stragglers left, so trying to deliver them to uh, to evil here. <laughs> we got a Margarita Goes from Cigar City Brewing. It's a very typical Goes, uh, pretty sharp sour to it. Um, fair amount of flavor, but not a ridiculous amount of depth, kind of. Mostly surface level. Drinkability, pretty sour, so I'm going to give it like a 12. Taste, uh, pretty high, but not as high as it could be for a sour, so I'll give it like a 31. Um, and yeah, I think anyone, anybody have any other any other beer stuff they want to go over here? Or should we jump into the hockey since it's officially hockey season now? I mean, just beer in general. I, uh, I need more. Yeah. I'm all right. I'm down to like two more cans of this and then you know it's gonna be holiday season so never know yeah and there's gonna be shortages this year they keep saying you don't want to you don't get a shortage of beer exactly and then when family stops by you want to offer them something you don't have anything yeah it's tough look not very nice it's tough look for sure uh all right well it is hockey season officially as we are speaking or i guess rather just a minute ago we were watching tampa lightning lift their banner which is like it's got to be it's kind of weird for the players who like weren't on the team last year, right? Fake. You think that's their potential asterisk banner? Um, you think that's weird, or you think that motivates them to be like, "Fuck yeah, I'm coming into the Stanley Cup winners." I don't know. If you're not on the team and you're watching the banner, it's like it's you, gotta, you should make them stand on the bench or something. That's got to make you hungry. I mean, I, I think so. Yeah, that's true. You're going into a winning culture and all that. Uh, yeah, like you're you're on the team that's just won the cup and you didn't get to be a part of it. I feel like that's got to be motivating. That's Yeah, personally, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, so you're Joe Corvo on the 2011-2012 Boston Bruins. Yeah. You know. Just kind of like, oh, you guys just won without me. Neat. Do I? I, I don't get to touch it. Okay. You know, that's <laughs> well, fine. speaking of the Bruins, uh, I don't know. I've seen some – I feel like every year I see the Bruins' predictions to what they're going to – you know, they have that – who does the Stanley Cup pie chart at the beginning of the season? You know what I'm talking about? You always see it on Twitter. Um, money, puck. money puck. I think yeah. it is money puck. Yeah. And uh, are those Vegas odds then? Is that, or is that just? No, I think that's like just through simulation. There. Okay, I wasn't Another sure. Another math nerd, but you know, math nerds here. Probably, uh, I wouldn't say long shots, but not quite in that elite company as some of the other teams that we previewed last episode. We want to go do our playoff predictions, but. Uh, Bruins certainly a team that could fight for a playoff spot at the very least. And once you get in, who knows? 
the biggest question, I think, now that the opening night roster has been set, again, very early in the season here, but the biggest point of discussion, I think, Lancey, was Jackson Nico being left off the roster. Keep him down in Providence. I know everybody's got an opinion on this. I know you're going to have one as well. I'm pretty sure it's going to be the right one. So, Lancey, what do you got to, to fire our way? No, no pressure, but the spotlight's on you. I'm flattered that you think it's the right one, but I'm not Bruce Cassidy, so... You know, it's it's not my decision. Uh, it's not the worst thing. I don't think he's technically even going to be ultimately sent to Providence, really. I mean, if, if another guy gets hurt in the first week, he's just going to stick around. Um, it's one of those things where it definitely kind of screams more like this is a paper transaction because we love little salary cap fun facts like that. Now, don't don't say that I'm going to be completely right or wrong here because he could very well just go to Providence and you know, get a little more seasoning going. And uh, you know, you're talking more like a David Pasternak situation in the 2014-15 season when he played 20, 30 games in Providence before he got called up here and there. He almost went to the World Junior. Stunik is a little older for that. But, you know, it's just he's going to start somewhere, get more minutes there than he would potentially here. Not that he's played better or worse than Charlie Coyle, but they're trying to test what they have that's NHL caliber in the now. So that they know down the road what can they count on when it's you know March or April or even May when the playoffs get going, assuming you make it. So I think it's it's fine. You know, if if he goes, he gets a little more training camp in this way, he's a bit more active than just kind of sitting around the press box, watching everyone else skate around and saying, Oh gee, when am I gonna get a game? I'm I'm optimistic. What a measured and reasonable take. Um, I don't have a hot take to come in here i think uh maybe even further in the direction of leaning toward like this is the right move um i I think maybe it's a misread on the part of the fans seeing this as a uh, a vote of no confidence i think this is more a declaration that his future position is center they value Um, his development yeah so rather have him play center in Providence than play like a left or right wing on the third or fourth line or whatever. So um, I I think the idea is you got to give Charlie Coyle a a hack at that second line center spot. Give him a fair shake. And if that doesn't work out, then, then yeah, maybe you give Stanika a shot at that. Or if uh, the far more likely scenario, Eric Halla isn't working out at third line center that's that's your next man up there i don't think it's a situation where they're kind of letting him you know languish in in providence because he's uh he's a bust and he's no good he didn't make the team <laughs> got cut he looked a lot better this year and of course Guy sucks plenty more time to kind of prepare <laughs> for this year's longer training camp than last year's really short training camp he looked a yeah. lot better this year than last year Sure, it has a lot to do with the 15 pounds of good weight and everything. It looked a lot better physically. <laughs> like he he was competing harder because you can tell he's he's developed it as players mature and get a little bit older. Like Jacob Zaboral, another example where he's kind of learned like you could have this job, but you can also lose it kind of quickly and easily. Like you have to still compete and you have to make sure that the guy that's just a name or two below you on the depth chart depth chart doesn't just steal it out from under you. So I thought. You know, everything's fine. It's a lot better than, say, the New York Rangers situation with uh, with Kravstov these days. That seems to be a bit of a fun headache for Chris Drury. But that's for him to figure out. 
and doesn't concern the Bruins. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, no, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. I think the biggest thing is, again, do you want him getting eight minutes a night as a fourth-line center, or do you want him getting 20 minutes a night in Providence? It's not really a question. You Obviously, the NHL is a different beast, but the American Hockey League is still one of the best leagues in the world, and he's playing against a lot of guys down there who are you know, grown men still who are going to throw that weight around, and that's a style of play that he's got to get used to. Obviously, he's got the raw talent, but – uh, the issue is was him getting pushed around a little bit, and I think a little bit of time playing grown-up pro men's hockey like that in the AHL and seeing how he can endure for going 20 minutes a night in that style of play. Uh, you know, not that they're not going hard in training camp, but obviously it's always a little bit different when you know you don't want to injure anybody, but it's a little right. bit it's a little bit easier to not do that when when you're doing suicides, you're you're not exactly yeah. lagging, but you're kind of again also full speed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you've seen miracle, so. Uh, if not, yeah, if, if listen, you listen our to our last, our last week episode, <laughs> then you've obviously seen miracles since then. Um, and if you haven't, that's your homework. Yeah. You really should do that. It's a great movie. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think, uh, it's better for his development. Um, and again, yeah, I think the, the, any narrative that claims he didn't make the team or the Bruins don't think he's good or something like that, or that this is a sign of him not having an impressive training camp is, is misled or or just trying to mislead. So I wouldn't worry about that kind of thing, but uh, yeah, he'll be back in, in probably a few weeks. First opening, like Lancey said, they'll, they'll fill it with him. Or if Charlie Cora starts to look like shit, put a little pressure on him. Which, you know, I, I don't think that it's going to be the case this year. I'm not saying that Coyle's going to be the type of guy that puts up 70 points from your second line, but I, I think he'll have a nice bounce back. Just more of the regular. Totally rhythm. possible. The regular rhythm of an eighty-two game schedule. He's he's more of a second half of the season player. But mm-hmm. you know, in a condensed year last year, he kind of kind of didn't really have that at the same time. You had to be on it from January. Yeah, the team as a whole. Well, that's a different question. Um. Well, one thing uh, I am noticing watching this this hockey game is that the. ESPN graphics package is a lot more friendly than the new one that Fox just debuted for MLB. It's a little, no, it's not too bad. I was getting a lot of heat online. I think it's a little video gamey. I felt like I was playing like a Wii baseball game a little bit. Uh, it is a little large. Not but... a fan of the the uh, force perspective bases. Yeah, the 3D really bases fun. felt very unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. I they could have gone for a tighter, more 70s the, style. That was but, the first uh, thing I noticed. That yeah, yeah, pretty bad. I mean, definitely made it feel Wii baseball-y, like I said the return of team abbreviations and logos in the bug, but otherwise, you know, those bases though. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the ESPN one looks, looks pretty clean. Yeah, nice. I keep looking over my shoulder now. Probably because... an overly sized ESPN NHL logo on the top left, but I get to try to push the new brand. So that's fair. <laughs> I don't know if that'll stick around. It's um, better than the six foot tall uh, ticker on the bottom. Of the <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I pick your battles, right? Um, well, Lancey, one of the other question marks, I guess, around the Bruins, obviously, this season is the goaltending situation. And I'm not going to try to get you to predict goaltending too much because everybody knows it's just voodoo and all that. But it is, um, it is. I'm still going to ask you to predict it anyway. How do you how, I, I, maybe not straight up? But my question, I guess, is, is how confident slash worried are you in what you saw in the, in the preseason? Um, obviously Linus Lomark didn't have the best preseason, but again, it's preseason coming to a new team. I don't know how much you want to read into that. Uh, if it becomes an issue in the regular season for me, then that's something you obviously have to address. But how do you feel about that slash Jeremy Swayman, maybe taking the reins here as a, as a starting goaltender at his age? Well, it, it reminds me a lot of, you know, the 2010 era 
in 2010, of course, you know, Tim Thomas was hurt and then Tuka Rask took over and played in the playoffs. We won't talk about what happened in the second round that year. But going into the 2010-2011 season, Tim Thomas was feeling kind of a lot better than ever before in terms of his hip injuries and whatnot. But they kind of went into it thinking, yeah, well, it's Tuka's and we'll, we'll see who kind of wins it out. And they played the two games over in Czech Republic. If you remember, that was a fun time for all the guys bonding and a bunch of things that we may never know. And, uh, you know, and then they, they played the Coyotes, of course, because you just got to take a team that everyone knows and loves and then a team that, like in the NFL, when they send teams over to the London. Specifically Jacksonville always. You, you just, you know, you're doing that because they'll make some money that way. Um, this year reminds me of that year, not in the sense that this team could win the Stanley Cup. Anything is possible. All 32 teams have a chance as of right now. Maybe less so when this episode airs. But um, in terms of whose net is this, I think you have to give it to Jeremy Swayman oh, by a little bit. You, know, you give him the first game if you want, just to be like, all right, well, he's young. Let's see how he handles the pressure. If it's the first game of the season, you don't necessarily name him the starter, but you just give him the first game. You test him out a little bit. And then you go back to Allmark, and you give Allmark the bulk of October games the bulk of November, you see how he settles in because really it's the more reps that he gets with the standard defense that's going to be in front of him. The six guys that are going to be playing more so than anyone else in the preseason, that's going to help him become more familiar with not only just the system, but the building itself. And you might say, oh, but you know, that they played the Sabres like eight times last year, four times at the Garden. It's still a little bit different when you play night after night on your own ice and with the backdrops and everything compared to when you come in as a visitor. So I'm not too concerned about his performance from the preseason going into the regular season. I do think you you might go with a hotter hand just simply out of the fact that, you know, Swayman will at some point likely be the starter, whether it's this season, not so much next season, the year after that, it's possible. You know, I think you, you just got to give it to him because it's Dallas. They should be a playoff team. You know, let's let things happen and then give all market a nice way to kind of ease into things. And ultimately, you know, you'll go back to really, is it really just the goaltending at all? Or is it just the defense? Should Derek Forward have been on the first pairing with Charlie McAvoy? Yeah, a little bit different situation there. That needs to be taken into account for sure. Probably won't be seeing that. Who are you going to put with with McAvoy? Because Mike Riley and Brandon Carlo play so well together. Grizzlick. He he's kind of like a Swiss army knife because he looks fine on the third pairing. Don't get me wrong. Everyone has high hopes for him to be the replacement for Tory Krug that, you know, happened last year, kind of. But he's also not that Tory Krug style defender. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying he's perfect at his value for playing anywhere up and down the lineup and the defensive pairings. But he needs the right player with him. And at times that's Charlie McAvoy. And at times that's not Charlie McAvoy because McAvoy is, you know, more and more apt to just go into the zone and do his thing. You just need to sit back and let him do his, his star defender, probably Norris trophy finalist this season style. So it's really hard to really just get the right matchup because you look at four you say he's a shutdown guy. It's not quite first pairing. You look at Grizzlick and you say, okay, he's, he's two-way. He's really great on the power play. He's like a Keith Yandel on that. But 
where does he fit? How do you balance things out? I would say it's a little reductive. I think Keith Yandel can't play defense, so. <sighs> but he's great on the power play. True. You know, sometimes you have that defender that just quarterbacks something as long as it's in one zone and you don't have to worry about going back to the other one. You know, maybe that was Dennis Weidman in 2009. The year after that, not so much. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, or perhaps a goodbye to Chris Wagner? Any, uh, I mean, you know, I I think a move that we all really saw coming. I, I would be surprised if you were surprised by it. Um, I don't know. Do you think we'll see him in Boston again as a, as somebody they'll bring up with injuries? Do you think this is kind of the end of the end for him? If there's injuries and he clears waivers, and yeah, I mean, anything's possible. Uh, I would almost rather see, as long as it's, hey, you got someone hurt on the fourth line, fill him with the fourth line forward, give Oscar Steen another chance. Uh, not saying he's going to be necessarily any better in terms of scoring production-wise. Yeah, but... But I do like his physical game. Not that it's all about, oh, you got to have grinders on the fourth line. No, you have to have four rolling lines these days. But I do like what I've seen from his play. And you know that there's always Anton Bleed that they'll just go to as though he's Trent Whitfield from 10 years ago and be like, hey, you're still around, you know? Like, you you must really like us. And he's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, why not, you know? So I feel bad for Wagner in that if he was expecting to be on the roster when he signed his three-year extension, you know, that that's kind of unfortunate. But it's also one of those things where it's like you, you – got to be able to see this coming you need to be able to step your game up yeah and it's like what we said with jacks Junica. you got to be ahead of the guy beneath you on the depth chart and sometimes if you're not there you gotta get back to it or you won't be on that team you can go play anywhere else if they could find a trading partner i'm sure he'd be moved for an asset that's of value not significant value but value nonetheless but when you get put on waivers and no one claims you, that's kind of your sign. Yeah, I think we always say like the NHL is kind of moving in a certain direction away from from certain types of players. I don't know if Chris Wagner is specifically that type of player. I was going to say, I don't even know if he even has a type. No, you know, but he's, I, he's I think been a guy. I think that's a sign that the NHL is continuing to evolve because it's not always evolving in the same way. And I think it's it's good for roster flexibility to have guys on your fourth line who could be potential third line players. Chris Wagner's never going to play on your third line. Right. A guy like Oscar Steen, I don't know, a couple of years from now, he could be playing on your third line. Or even like some somebody who you can just throw, uh, like Trent Frederick can play on the third line in a pinch. Somebody, if someone on your third line gets hurt in game, it's just better for roster flexibility to have somebody who can play up on that third line. Uh, so you don't have to have someone double shifting all the time. And yeah, I can tell you from men's league, double shifting is not fun. So I can't, uh, I can't imagine <laughs> in uh, in the NHL. It's gonna be something. And and the fun thing with you know every other year, it seems like oh we brought home this Massachusetts guy to play for the team. I know that Charles Adams years ago wanted to have a roster full of Americans winning the Stanley Cup. Cool. When you did it in 2011, you had one player from the United States and like 14 the rest of them were Canadian. And then, you know, guy from Slovakia, one from Czech Republic, guy from Finland, that sort of thing. That's obviously not really how you make 
a roster these days. You're not thinking about, well, we got to have all the local kids. We got to have all this. You got to have all that. But still, you get a guy once in a while like Chris Wagner, where it's like, yeah, you can play on your fourth line. Yeah, he's from Walpole. But what else? You know, like, is is he of substance to this team in the here and now versus is it just a marketing ploy? And when you're a playoff contender, because they're not cup contenders by any means, though they could make it a deep run. We don't really know. The, the Bruins are all over the place in all the projections. Though they are a playoff contender, you don't really need to do those sorts of gimmicks where you say like, hey, this kid grew up right down the street and now he's playing at the garden. No, you just need to have the best player for that spot playing their best game. And it's always perplexed me that, you know, the Bruins are this team that time and time again, kind of go back to the well of that where it's like, no, you don't need, you don't really need this. It, it's fine. He's a cool guy. He's great. You know, don't poke the bear, the, the beer. It's great, whatever. But like, you don't see too many people growing up in Minnesota saying, I want to be on the Minnesota wild someday. And that's not a shot at the Minnesota wild. You, you probably would want to be on the wild now with Kirill Kaprizov and everything, but I just don't see it as much elsewhere in the league, short of like Toronto and Montreal. Yeah, I, I mean the. Just look at the front office. Um, it's you got Don Sweeney, a Harvard guy, also a former Bruin, and you got Cam Neely, like one of the favorite Bruins in the team's history. Um, yeah, like those those types of guys are always going to go after the type of person who, who grew up a Bruins fan and always wanted to play for the Bruins. Like it's a, it's an attractive thing for a front office looking at, you know, maybe a couple of different players trying to decide who they're going to bring in and time and time again, it kind of seems like they go after those types of guys. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I think more often than not, it doesn't work, but it's um, great. If you're looking for a top six guy, not always the option that you should go to for a bottom six player. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're looking into grabbing Jack Eichel, like sure. He, he's a one C um, everyone was freaking out. He was hanging out with the Bruins in the box at the Sox <laughs> game last night. Uh, he's, a he's, he's a, he's a Sox fan, man. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, almost like he's go from Sox, or something. Good thing he doesn't yeah. support the Buffalo blue Jays. That'd have been a bummer. Buffalo Blue Jays, hell yeah. yeah. That was a fun time. <laughs> they were the first team to move to two cities before it was cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see you next year, Rays. Yeah. In Montreal, um, maybe. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. What, what, which really NHL team would be the one to pull that? I guess Phoenix is probably the easy answer, right? Or Arizona now, but well, I, mean, I feel like that's also a cheap shot. Almost kind of by default, like next season, if if they don't have Tempe going, Tempe going in anyway, I'm thinking of the food for some reason. If they don't have anything really build it, built and they don't have another option to like, oh, we'll just go play at this college, it would be the easiest thing for, for them to do. Split it between, oh, here, there, a little bit like this, a little bit like that. San Jose technically started last year in Arizona, so they kind of already did it, but I'm not going to get myself in trouble here with Coyotes. <laughs> That's answer enough. I think that got you in trouble. I right think there, the Coyotes so. are sound. I think. Yeah, no, I, I just I don't want to start that narrative. Time. Yeah. It's yeah, just it's... a matter of like when the Hurricanes moved to North Carolina, they started out in Greensboro because PNC Arena was three years away from being completed in terms of how you build it. These days, you can build things a lot faster. We've seen it with, well, I mean, Belmont's not really going to open until November, but hey, these things happen. Yeah, I mean, so I think climate pledge arena pop up pretty quick. 
I, I, I think, I think the just renovation though. I think the real answer is that no NHL team is going to do that. But um, if you want like a most likely, if you want a most likely team and it's going to be a really boring answer, it's going to be Dallas and split in time between like Dallas and Houston. Mm-hmm. Become the Texas Rangers of hockey. Yeah. Uh, play in multiple arenas across. Uh, they could even do three. Play in San yeah, Antonio. Tour. Yeah. yeah. Just like San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, uh, Austin. Fuck it. We'll play anywhere in Texas. Just, uh, yeah. I mean, it'd be a, a little annoying for the players, but way less annoying than playing your home games in Tampa and Montreal. Yeah. It sounds yeah, like such a hodgepodge of like what you'd pick for so places. I, I, I read an article about this a couple of years ago when they first started flirting with it. And like it kind of raised the issue of all the players having to get like green cards and just like a whole bunch of shit that you don't necessarily think about when you're considering where a team's home arena is going to be um like obviously all the u.s players who play in uh in the canadian teams in the nhl or in toronto for nba and mlb like they got to do that but they they play all their home games there and uh, usually they live there during the season so makes a lot more sense than if you live in tampa and (laughs) have to get a green card to play in Montreal for whatever it's 40 games a year. And especially where that plan, they're not going to try to get out of it. I mean, they, they say they're not going to try to get out of it until at least 2028. So for the next seven years, six, really, whatever you could be playing in two different cities for however many games. I honestly, I guess if there's any team you do that with and sorry to like keep, doing the baseball talk but like tampa's model is we're just never gonna pay stars they're gonna like we're either gonna trade them or they're gonna walk and we're gonna fill in the slots with our smart uh farm guys or dudes named shane yeah didn't name guys named low or low um and uh those guys have no choice of where they're gonna play so that makes sense. You're never going to lure big free agents to play for a team that plays their home games in two cities, but that's not really what they're going for. I guess like Nelson Cruz, but um, he's just an old guy looking for a home at the end of the year. So I'd be very shocked if he uh, wants to sign up for that, but Probably not, yeah. from baseball talk. How how we can relate it back to hockey though is you know eighteen million over the cap. Oh, and now we're back to talking hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's totally legal, you know it's 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 in the rules. It's just funny. Legal doesn't make it not slimy. It I is. Mean, we just we just want to show off to our audience that we know what we're talking about in in any sport, any region. You know, it's just funny when someone from Tampa wants to be like ah you know, the, the rules, the rules, and then you know like. Hunter Renfro is just standing out and out in the, the outfield, like, oh, well, ball just hit me and went out. So there's a rule about that, right? And then there is. And suddenly, well, we shouldn't have rules. Yeah. Every team agrees. Take that, to Tampa. This. I, I don't have beef with Rays fans, though. I, you know, I, I feel I feel bad for them, first of all, because Tropicana Field is just, well, I wouldn't be proud of that if I were there. And, <laughs> Not exactly uh, a destination. Honestly, I've never really hated the Rays. I think they're kind of an annoying team for 
I hated them in 08, but Red I, I haven't played. hated them since. Well, yeah, well, so the 08 team was interesting. Um, I I got to enjoy the Phillies beating them because that was my freshman year in college in Philly, and that was kind of a fun thing to be around. Like, I I put on the the pink hat and and did some Philly rooting, uh, and then very quickly got off that train after the next few years. But uh, and then what happened? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, they brought in Pedro, which was cool, but they played the Yankees. But yeah, I always felt like the the Rays have done a really good job for many years of developing talent and and fielding competitive teams like occasionally. Like obviously they've been really bad for stretches, but you know, going to a, a couple of World Series and and never being able to pull it off, that kind of sucks. Right. If I pull uh, up MVP baseball two thousand five, I might just play <laughs> the Rays in owner mode. There you go. Make things the way they should be. The Brews and Bruins podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 rager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a regular thing, but ESPN's got a really sweet uh, camera angle going on. It's like a, it looks like a drone almost, but I don't know what it actually is. It's just a slider kind of thing, but you get some, some cool looks. Yeah, like kind of a sky cam, but still sort of... Like not directly above. It's still sort of in that broadcast angle, but it's just a little higher up. But um, the way it rotates, you can see the flow of the game. Really, it's like kind of like sitting in the balcony a little bit. You can kind of see the plays develop in, in it's a the overhead camera way. NHL video game. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, gives you a cool. I don't know. It's one of the things that I like. Obviously, sitting lower, lower bowl at a hockey game is really cool. You really get to see the speed. But sitting upper bowl and just kind of watching everybody move as a unit, I think, is always really cool. And I grew up. With like college hockey season tickets up top, so I kind of always appreciate that. But easier to um, see the umbrella that way. Yeah, exactly. You kind of learn the game in a different way versus just being in awe. And <laughs> it's a little easier. It slows down a little bit, obviously, when you're when you're way up there. Hence why so that, they send people up there. But so that was one of the things that I think we lamented during the bubble was that they didn't really experiment enough. You know, with no. Oh, fans absolutely, yeah. In the arena, yeah, like and, NBC just fumbled the ball on that one. Yeah. I think that's that's really encouraging that ESPN is doing something like that because, um, where it's just forever, the things on the near side are going to be blocked by the boards, and you're never really going to get to see plays develop. And every once in a while during the playoffs, some guy's going to be standing up in front of it. Um, 
so yeah i like that they're experimenting with new stuff i I think there's always the the resistance to change that people are like well this isn't what i've seen for every year for the last hundred years so i hate this but i'm i'm excited to see how people react on social media to the tnt broadcast on wednesday i mean we saw a little bit of it during the preseason but i don't think every single hockey fan tuned in and by all means you, you don't have to tune in if it's like oh it's the avalanche and the sharks oh get excited san jose I, I, oh, i'm gonna be cool, excited by that i mean don't don't get me wrong i love every team equally unless, <laughs> unless it's montreal but but to the average fan they probably won't tune in but anyone else that tunes in they'll be like what is going on in intermission it's it's completely different than what you've gotten used to in the last 15 17 ish years uh it's nice i love the the fact that they have recent former refs you know at intermission to be able to go over and be like hey why was this called you know and and to really just get a temperature on the game yeah it's almost like we should just be able to talk to the refs after the game and ask them one or two questions you know why was this the way that it was hey why'd you suck today that's the unfortunate part is that some guy not necessarily someone in colorado but some guy would probably say exactly that and that's not not necessarily someone not in colorado either though right? not necessarily adrian (laughs) dater but to to get an answer from an official about you you just think like you're just you're just like thinking too much out there when you're refereeing and you just like you just say you just say fuck it just just call it we've all had those days at work though like i I do feel bad that whatever that was was you know it's like okay do you want to redo that because we'll we'll give you the time (laughs) he's apparently been a shit heel for his entire career so i mean there's also that too but (laughs) because it's funny because afterwards when he was like oh yeah well you're you know this guy's not a beat reporter Get on my level it's like yeah that guy works for a national outlet shouts so. to pete we love pete we do friday night marvels please come back uh it was not a thing last week and i was sad oh because you know there was like no hockey or anything i mean there was but i just needed my marbles <laughs> you lost your marbles <laughs> see see what i did there that's uh that's called promotion pete you're welcome Pete famously listens to this podcast. Right, I'm gonna send it to him after. <laughs> Please do. Um, all right, I don't know. You got any any final thoughts for the Lance the Lance dog? Yeah. So I, I don't know. Did you want to like predict how the Bruins are gonna do or something? <laughs> um. Yeah, we kind of did that. But what you got, Lance? I don't want to spoil anything you got going on on other pods either, like Chris said. So this is just a. Yeah, you wouldn't spoil anything. I mean, you put out your poll earlier. I didn't know if you wanted to go over that and be like, here's what I think. and try. Yeah, to let's, I mean, if you're willing to share, then yeah, let's hear it. Or if you wanted to just be like, I think, you know, like Pasta is going to finish first in scoring because that's a given, and then it's going to be Marshy and Taylor Hall and then Bergie and then, you know, everything from there. But it, this is a you choose your own adventure. The, then start choosing your own adventure. Let's, let's start out with the poll and uh, see where it takes us from there. All right. Well, now you're gonna make me look it back, look it up again. I can huh? try to pull it up if you need. <laughs> now I got it. One of these days when it loads. So, you started off with Bruins prediction overall: Cup champs, deep run, early exit, miss the playoffs. I don't think fans are gonna like this when I say it. Probably is going to be an early exit. 
but they are still a team in transition. If they figure it out all in one year, great. You know, all the signings that they did in this offseason look okay, admittedly. They look fine. They played well in the preseason. Regular season's a different animal. We'll see what happens. But it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of have a little bit of a misstep this year and they're on top of whatever next year, whether they win the cup or they just get to the Eastern Conference final. But, you know, that's kind of necessitated by a lot of the short-term contracts, and it depends on whether or not Patrice Bergeron says, yeah, I'll stick around for another year and keep playing, or, or, and I'm not saying he's going to leave, but I'm saying that he has, this is this 18th year in the league. That's pretty atypical. I mean, if the average career is five years, he's done a little more than three times that. And uh, I, I totally would understand if he just says, you know what, my body just can't take this 82 games and then an additional like 20 games afterwards. Uh, so I'm thinking it's an early exit. Set your expectations low. That way you're always surprised. Hell yeah. I love doing that. That's my life motto, to be honest. It's pretty much how people approach the podcast, I would assume. <laughs> there are any expectations on it. Only when Drew's on. Hey, hey um, Yeah, fuck you, Drew. All right. And then you asked, pasta, anyone? And I said, yes, please. Uh, so 50 plus goals, 40 to 49 goals, 30 to 39 goals, 29 or less. Uh, I would love to see him break 50. I've got him in the 40 to 49 range right now. Yeah. That's going to change depending on pace. But going into the season, I have him under 50. But I wouldn't be surprised because he is the most likely of all the guys on the roster to get to 50 for the first time since the days of what? Cam Mealy? Hey, there he is. We love Cam Neely. Uh, John Just Moore. People named Cam in general. Yeah, most of them are fine. John Moore, <laughs> four plus games, two to three games, one game, zero zip or nada. I was optimistic. I said he'll get like four games. He didn't I, get sent down. He was put on waivers, but he's not being sent to Providence necessarily. So there's always a chance if someone gets hurt, and he's not the one that gets hurt. You know. I think the only chance he has of not playing four games this in an 82 game season is if he is on a different team. Exactly. And that's a very, very low chance. The next question was about Jeremy Swayman. We've gone over that one. You know, does he lead Boston to a cup? Not really. Takes over a starter. It could happen, but realistically, you want to see them in the 1A, 1B scenario. Then, of course, you say, oh, backup. But I'm still thinking he's more like a 1B. Charlie Coyle promoted to the first line C, successful second line center, bumped down to the third line center, or, oh no, what do we have here? <laughs> I'm going with the successful second line center because, again, optimism. All Mark exceeds the mark, hits the mark, misses the mark, wish his name was Mark. I know oh, a geez. lot of Marks. <laughs> a lot of Mark going on. So many Marks. Shouts Mark, the Mark that I know, both former coworker Mark and other Mark that I know. Uh, they're two separate people, but they move really fast. So it looks like they're one. Uh, <laughs> I'll mark, I'm going to say he hits the mark because at some point he'll hit his stride. He might just be the type of goaltender that starts a little bit slow and finishes fast. That's a thing. It, you know, so what's the, what's the mark for you? I think for me, like somewhere around like nine seventeen would be like a good thing. I think that's what he had last year. Yeah, when, um, when you're a starting goaltender, you want to see like a 2.00. That'd be perfect, right? But anything between 2.00 to 2.5, I'm 
solid, though that might be changing in the modern NHL. We've seen scoring go up the last few years, so is it more like a 2.7? Depends on your team and how good your defense is. Uh, but as long as it's between a 2, 2.5, and then the goals, the save percentage is about a 920, between 915 to 920, you're solid. If you're a backup, you want around 915, 910. And of course, a 2.5. That's just like, please get that. If, if you don't win like 12 out of 20 games as a backup, you want to have the stats to make it look like you tried. You know what's weird? I, I have like these very specific numbers in my head that are like good, not, not good goalie numbers, but like acceptable goalie numbers. And for some reason, my cutoff is like 2.54 goals against. That's very specific. Like anything, anything I like if I see the like two, five, five just looks bad to me. And then two, five, four looks fine. I mean, I can understand if you're like, oh, it's a two, five, eight. You know it's I mean? almost a two point six at that point. But like, damn, that's that's for harsh. some reason, like nine, seventeen looks so much better to me than nine, sixteen. It's yeah, very it's very irrational, but those are my numbers. I can so see it with with the seventeen, sixteen, not as much the two fives. If because two five is all sort of the same to me. I'm getting so less than, you know, goal, middle goal goal against, half the twos, but the 917 and 915 is a huge jump. Goals against in general is is less important than save yeah. percentage for determining exactly. how a goalie plays because uh, uh, John Gibson, like three years ago, was just getting peppered with shots and his goals against was like nine or like 274 and his save percentage was like 923. Yep. Uh, goalies, uh, they are weird and lovable and also you you just gotta protect them as best as you can because we love goalies we will protect them at all costs because sometimes the blood of the 50 shots a night over 82 games you end up being like the buffalo sabers and shouts uh, to ben scrivens that one time he had the name. like 50 save shutout in his first start for the kings or whatever <laughs> kings just cranked out a lot of good goalies for a while and then well they turned out not to be that good Trent told Frederick. Uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Continuing with the poll. I mean, you, you can mispronounce his name, though. Trent Fred Eric. Uh, solid bottom six. Fourth line grinder. We'll just fight sometimes or say hello to Providence. I mean, I'm sure he'll fight inevitably because Tom Wilson exists. Uh, I have him as a solid bottom six forward because, again, optimism. I'm not saying that he's going to be that necessarily his entire career. But I think, again, as, as we return to the normal Stephen A2 game schedule, and the routine that all therein involves, he'll be fine. I'm not saying he's the world's greatest fourth line forward, but he's also not the worst because that guy just got sent down to Providence. Again, sorry, Chris Wagner. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Charlie, hashtag Bruins Chuck Norris McAvoy. Norris winner, all-star, solid performance, take as, takes a step backwards. I've got him going for the Norris this year. And uh, and Kat was asking me earlier about Jacob Chikrin, right? And I have Chikrin and Adam Fox on. Oh, that was her. Team. That that was her. Not to unveil the source, but you know. <laughs> uh, but I was like, okay, you know, I want to see both of those guys do well. But I I think this could be McAvoy's year, especially if uh, if his points kind of can back up a little bit. The hard part is, Kale McCarr and Adam Fox can do everything. McAvoy can, but sometimes he gets to be streaky. He's still a good shutdown guy, but he just he misses the net once in a while. And uh, and I feel bad for him in that 
in that regard because if he just gets to be a little more consistent, he'll get the love that he rightfully deserves. Jake DeBrusque, speaking of consistency, finds a permanent role, bounces around, fourth line, or should have kept Heinen. <laughs> I know we love Dan Heinen around these parts, but it's, you know what I I will say as a former has been former like member of now. the. Uh, Danton Heinen hype train. I think it's time to put that to rest. It really is. I, I mean, I think, yeah, I think he has not caught on anywhere. He'll get like 60 good. points at sitting Crosby this year in Pittsburgh, but hey, it's time to put it to rest. Uh, Jake DeBrusque finds a permanent role to me. Again, optimism. This is weird because I'm never this optimistic about anything for myself. But Jake DeBrusque, not only have we seen him play well in the preseason, which again, how much of a gauge do you really measure things with? based on like three games for an NHL player in a six game preseason. Uh, but we just know that he's much more comfortable with the way that this year's schedule will be the way that they can have a little bit more freedom and see family and, and travel and go places and have a little more fun to take your mind off of how well you did last night, for example. And, you know, the, Bruce Cassidy's talked about coaching style evolving to what it is these days where you have to be a little bit more personable with your player. You can't just say like, Hey, go out there and score goals or hit people, you know, play, play my game, not your 200 feet game because I'm John Torella and this is going to work. Not necessarily. You, you do have to get to know your players and you have to just be mindful that everyone's human. So I I'm optimistic. He's a really cool guy. I think he'll, be solid on the third line, especially with Eric Halla and uh, Nick Foligno. Two U's, two K's, and Will Tuca return. Well, you got four options here. Returns as a starter, returns shares the net, returns underperforms, and sails off into the sunset. I think he'll return and share the net, but if nothing else, he'll just keep showing up at things around the city and being the cool guy that he is. Don't know if you saw the photo Sean Thornton put out yesterday after the marathon when he was hanging out with the people that ran for the Thornton Foundation. But Tuka Rask was there when Thornton bought everyone drinks. So still cool a chill dude. guy. Still best friends with Sean Thornton. And I just love that for the warm-up playlist reasons. <laughs> <laughs> this poll, you got three more questions. And uh, this one's the most important of them all. Brews and Bruins. Great pod. I sometimes listen. My, not my cup of tea or canceled. And well... You know, since I'm on this right now, I, I can't tell you that you're going to get canceled unless it's because I'm on this, in which case my apologies. But I say it's a great pod. You know, it's it's fine. It does its thing. Best place to drink a beer, hockey game, the bar, the couch, literally anywhere. I'm just going to stop at that fourth answer because that one's the correct The Bruise and Bruins podcast wasn't an answer, but. <laughs> the irony there. No, we know. We're, we're realistic here appear on the show and drink a beer that's the best place and then habs well we all know the second word after that 